Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Disciples House. Please be seated. All right, upcoming events. The Christmas Fellowship's coming up December 16th. That'll be at 6 p.m. Uh, it'll be at Julie's Place in Peachtree. Uh, we currently have 25 spots reserved, um, so there is room for family or friends if you invite them, But we, uh, and we can add more if we need to. But we do have a uh, sign-up sheet out in the foyer so we can get an accurate count. Uh, so we'll know, and then uh, so we're we're also gonna. Hmm? Oh well, okay. Well, we should have one for that. <laughs> All right, but um, we will have. Uh, there will be uh, songs. We will, we're going to be singing, and uh, we have a private room there. So, uh, and we're going to be doing our dirty reindeer games this year. And uh, we ask everyone to bring a wrapped Christmas ornament uh, or decor to to gift. And the uh, church is providing everyone's complete meals plus gratuity, although you are welcome to bless Julie's staff if you wish. All right, so that's, that's the Christmas Fellowship on the 16th. Okay, December 25th, we will have a Christmas evening worship service. Uh, join us at 5 p.m. as we worship God in spirit and truth and bring your favorite Christmas cookies to share during our time of fellowship following the service. And we're going to have uh, cider and maybe some hot chocolate and stuff to drink as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, January 1st, we have an inter intercessory prayer service for the lost. It's on a Monday. Okay, so it does say here, join us Monday evening, January 1st at 6 p.m. So it's a Monday. As we pray for the harvest of the last days. Praise God. All right, and then April 18th through the 20th, is uh, we have the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum, and that I know there is a sign-up mm -hmm. sheet in the foyer. Uh, so please sign up for that so we can get an accurate count so we can find where we're going to stay and make lodging reservations. All right, and then, uh, of course, Generation Life Camp is, will be uh, in July uh, next year. So, and so be praying for that. 
All right. So also Christmas decorating. We're gonna we're probably gonna well we we plan on decorating Tuesday evening starting at 5 p.m. Uh, for Christmas. Oh, we're gonna provide pizza. Okay, well that sounds good. Free food, right? Uh, come help make the house of God beautiful for His glory. Right? Hungry decorators can get grouchy. Yeah. There's a commercial about that, I think. But yeah. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so our in him for this week is Galatians 5, 6 out of the King James. It says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You know, he's not really talking about circumcision right here. He's talking about traditions. You know, we get so wrapped up in our traditions of different things that we do. And, one, and for the Jews, that was circumcision or, or, or following the law. Uh, for us, it could be uh, the cross we hang on the wall. If you're facing that cross and not in Jesus Christ, your faith avails you nothing. And that's what he's talking about. So um, our confession, my faith in Jesus Christ works by love. My faith in Jesus Christ works, works by, love. by love. Amen. All right. So hang on to your seats. That's a long one. <laughs> our, 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 our healing scripture is Matthew fifteen twenty two through 28, out of the King James. And it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house, or I, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and whispered him, or worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, meaning that, you know, that what you're saying is true, but. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So what, what this is saying is don't ever give up on God. Don't ever, don't ever give up on him because he, he will never forsake you and he will never leave you. He, he's always there for you. Don't listen to the devil. Don't give up. Yep. No matter how unworthy you feel, because we all are unworthy. We've all done, done, done wrong in the sight of God. But because of Jesus, we can and we do have that favor of God. And we must stand on that. So our confession, Lord, I am not as, wor as worthy as a dog. Lord, I am not as worthy as a dog. Or actually, it's I. Okay, anyways. Am I not as worthy as the dog? Getting crumbs from the table. Getting crumbs, crumbs from, from the, the table. table. Jesus replied. Jesus replied. Oh, great is your faith. Oh, great, oh, great is, your, is faith. your faith. Have your healing. Have your healing. Praise you, Lord. Well, Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. And we thank you that you've made a way for us. That we will never be separated from you. And we just have to never give up on you. We have to believe that what you say is true. And that you are a doer of your word. And you are faithful and just. And that you, will, you are not a respecter of persons. But you give equally to all 
who ask and who seek you. And we do seek you. And we do ask. We speak with the words of our mouth, calling on you. Calling for you to be with us and for the, you to lead us and guide us. And, that you, and for you to give us our task that we may follow and do. Lord, we just ask you and we pray that you will lead us and guide us to become closer to you and to be faithful disciples of you and of your son, that we would follow you and be imitators of you and that we, that we would not fall aside. Give us the strength, Lord, to follow you every day and to worship your, your every step and to, follow, and, and to do and to listen and to learn. Lord, we just thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your words. Lord, this is your service and we dedicate it to you. We will speak only what you speak to us. Lord, we just thank you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, or destroy. You cannot operate here. You must leave. You must flee in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we just thank you for your peace and your protection. We thank you that you are a warm hug and that we can reside and live in your love. And that your love will reside and live on the inside of us. And from us, it will go to others. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, Disciples House. Good morning. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to sin. Wait. wait. Wow. I am. Wow. Well, okay, you know what? Sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I'm skipped a lot. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead. With him, I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am a workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror and an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen.
Honor and glory to you, Father God. Glory be your name. We surrender to you. Have your way in our life. Have your way in our thoughts. Have your way in our minds. Have your way in our actions. More of you. Less of me, Lord.
God, I thank you, Lord, for meeting us here today. And we say to you, Father, holy, 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 you are holy, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. Oh, you are holy, Lord, you, Lord, you are holy. Father God, you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. You are mighty. You are mighty. You are worthy. You are worthy. Worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. I will follow. I will follow. I will listen. I will love you. I will love you all of my days. All of my days. You I will sing to and worship the King. God is worthy. I will love you. Adore you. I will bow down before you. I will sing to and worship the
glory, glory. Do you believe it, church? Yes. Yes. We live for you, Lord. Because you, Lord, are worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we do honor you and we worship you. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for the word that's about to go forth, Father. Father, we ask for supernatural wisdom, revelation, and understanding. Father, we thank you, Father, that you're taking us up to another level. Thank you. Father, we thank you. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. You can be seated. Let's keep this level of reverence. Uh, I want to pray for uh, Bob and Bethany this morning before we get started. They're watching from online along with our regular uh, people that join us. Uh, But they're not in the house this morning because they're recovering from a head cold and they do not want to uh, pass it on to anybody. So they said they love everybody. They'll see everybody Wednesday night. But uh, let's pray for Bob and Bethany real quick and then uh, we'll get into the word. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Father, we stretch our hands out towards Bob and Bethany this morning. We lay our hands by faith upon their heads. We command every infection, whether it's bacterial, viral, or something other, we command this head, this attack of sickness upon their heads to be gone in Jesus' mighty name. We command the sinus pathways to be opened and irritated free. Father, we command the body to be regulated and free from all sickness and disease. We cover them in the blood of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that they're healthy, whole, and healed. Even as we speak, the healing power of God is flowing continually into their bodies, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Lord, as we approach your word, we ask that you give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, that you illuminate our understanding, Father God so that we may come up to the level that you're calling us to. And, Father, we ask that you think through mine and Michael's mind, that you give a, that you cause us to speak the very oracles of God, that you use our tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer, and we give you honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people say, Amen. Excuse me. Uh, and God bless. That uh, sneeze got there faster than I could catch it. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Uh, we, you know, they, a couple of weeks ago, they gave me some stuff to kind of try to clear some stuff out, and things are cleared, and now it gets itchy very easily. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And uh, we, we know and we understand what occurred here. Jesus had... Um, been crucified, risen, uh, met with all of his people. Uh, while he was preaching the gospel, he ascended on high, but then he had told, but right before that, he told him to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the promise. What is the promise? The promise is the Holy Ghost, uh, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which they did receive on um, the day of Pentecost. And uh, they started speaking in other tongues and People thought that they were drunk and what have you. And all of a sudden, Peter, who had denied Christ three times, uh, Peter, who had, you know, kind of made some messes of some things, got up and began to speak. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Now, this is Peter under the influence of the Holy Ghost. 
This is Peter under the influence of the Holy Ghost, and this is what he began to speak. Um, and so, uh, under the influence of the Holy Ghost, honey, preach like Peter. Okay. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. These are his spirit-spoken words. Peter is not speaking by his own might, power, and ability. What he is about to speak is he's speaking by the Spirit. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord came. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended unto the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit, now, or sit thou on my right hand, 
until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this that God hath made that that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do? A little bit more. Then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins ye shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that, glad, that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Glory to God. This, in this moment, Peter is walking on the water. Peter's walking on the water. That's what he's doing. What do you mean he's walking on the water? He just gave a speech. Yeah, he gave a sermon by the unction of the Holy Ghost. What he said was beyond his own natural ability. He was not speaking out of his mental mind. He was speaking from the Spirit out of the unction of the Spirit. And the power of God was present. Not only, not only was Peter under the prophetic work of Christ, gifts of the Holy Ghost, he was operating by sudden inspiration of the Spirit, but the gift of saving faith was also in operation because 3,000 were added to the church. These are signs, wonders, and miracles that are occurring, and they were occurring because Peter did one thing. Peter made the decision when Jesus spoke these two sweet words to him, when he spoke, don't let me get it wrong, uh, don't let me get it wrong. These two words. Oh. Uh, dio, I, I got to get it right. Duet. It's not duet. Hold on. I can't get it wrong. Come on. Come on. I'm going I'm to use, use my Google cheater. Hold on. Duta. Opiso. Opiso. Duta Opiso. Thank you. I got it. Duta. D-E. Or Duta. D-E-U-T-E. Duta. Opiso. Opiso. O-P-I-S-O. Yep. O-P-I-S-O. When Jesus spoke those two words to Peter, Peter hearkened. Go to Matthew chapter 3. And let's find out when did Jesus speak those two words to him. Matthew chapter 3. Actually, I think it's Matthew chapter 4. It is. It's Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. He said, talking about how to walk on the water today, how to walk on the water. Every person in this room, every person that hears this message is capable of walking on the water 
Jesus had been baptized in the River Jordan. He had gotten into the flow of God. In order for you to get in the flow of God for today, Jesus got in the flow of God uh, his day, uh, Jesus had to be water baptized by John the Baptist. Does that mean that you have to be water baptized for salvation? No, because that was under the old covenant. That was the flow of that day. Do we still do water baptism? Yes, we still do water baptism. Water baptism is for the purpose of publicly declaring that there's been a shift and a change on the inside, and now you are purposing in your heart to take what has occurred on the inside and cause it to show up on the outside. But water baptism is not necessary for salvation. I know I'm kicking the sacred cow. However, but Jesus did have to be water baptized. And when Jesus was water baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Now, this is at the age of 30. Jesus was at the age of 30. This is very important according to Jewish culture. And here's why. At the age of 30 is when those that had been studying under a rabbi were now able to become a rabbi themselves. That's when they were able to actually enter the ministry is at age 30. You could not be what was considered a rabbi before the age of 30. Now, let me help you with an understanding of what a rabbi is. A rabbi is a Jewish teacher. That's what they are. They're teachers. They're not priests. They're teachers. What do they teach? They teach Jewish law. They teach Jewish behavior. They teach living for God. That's what they teach, okay? In order for Jesus to become a what was considered a rabbi, he could not be 27, 28, 29. He had to be 30. It's the way it had to work, okay? So at the age of 30 is when he's water baptized, and once he is water baptized up to that point, he's living like a carpenter. He's a carpenter. He had entered the Father's. Now, this is incredible. Why don't you stop and think about this? Why don't you stop and think about this? I just thought about it. Uh, why does it matter about that? Because they had followed, in, in Jesus' day, the, the type of schooling that they had was what they call mishana, M-I-S-H-N-A. A-H, Mishana. Under Mishana, all the boys and the girls went to school until the age of 10. All of them at the age of 10. From, From little bitty to the age of 10, they learned how to read, they learned how to write, and they memorized the Torah. That was their education. Or the scriptures. The first five books of Moses. That's what they learned. First five books of Moses. That's all they learned up until the age of 10. At the age of 10, all of the girls left school. All of the girls went back home and learned how to take care of the house and, and family things. And, and they, learned, they learned the women's skills from their parents, from their mothers and grandparents and aunts. And they learned how to take care of the house. The boys 
that showed some aptitude for learning would stay in school, but most of the boys would also return home. Most of the boys would turn, return home and learn the family trade. That's what they would do. The ones that had an aptitude for learning would stay from the age of 10 to 13, and they would begin to study. Uh, they would begin to actually learn how to apply the, uh, the, the law to natural life, and they would study what's called the Talmud. What the Talmud is, is the Talmud is the writings of the prior rabbis, the commentaries and things like that about, about Jewish law and Jewish history, and they would learn how to do that, and they would begin to apply these things to their life. At about the age of 14, the rabbis, those that had reached the age of 30 and had, would come in and begin to instruct, the rabbis would come to the schools and the students would have to go to the rabbi and ask the rabbi if the rabbi would receive them as a student. You understand this? So if you guys are in the school and you're about 13, 14 years old, and here come the rabbis, then it's your job to come up to the rabbi and ask us if we'll teach you. Uh, and then with the rabbis, we'll put you through a training, put you through some interview processes. And if the rabbi felt like you could meet their requirements, they would speak those words to you, which means follow me. That's what those words mean. Follow me. The only time these words are used in the Hebrew language is, from, is, is in regards to the rabbis speaking to the students. Most students did not get this. Most students were sent. Most students, this is what they were actually told. They were actually told, you don't have enough skill. Go back home and work for the family business. That's what most Jews were told. Very few were chosen. In fact, and if you were chosen to follow a rabbi, then what would happen is you would immediately leave your family at the age of 13, 14. Parents in the room are having meltdowns right now. At the age of 13, 14, your child would now leave your home and they would join the home of the rabbi. They would no longer, you would, as a parent, you would no, have, no longer have any say over your child whatsoever. The rabbi is now their head. That's the way this works. But in their society, in order, if you got, if you got chosen, if your child got chosen by a rabbi, this gains your entire family status. Your entire family came up in social status. It was, uh, honestly, you know, we, oh, so, you know, the, the, oh, their child is a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, some high, big, fluting person. You know, today we're, oh, they're somebody. This, what, it doesn't even touch what it did for them. This was a big deal for your child to be chosen to be a disciple of a rabbi. This is a huge deal. Do you know that Jesus was not, what was not under and then here's the other thing from the age of 14 to the age of 30 your child stayed under the care of that rabbi under the care of that rabbi until that until that child reached 
the age of manhood, 30, they stayed with that rabbi. And what they had to do is they had to learn that rabbi inside out. They learned all of his teachings. They learned all of his lessons. They learned even his mannerisms. They began to speak like the rabbi spoke. They began, if the rabbi spoke with their hands, guess what? The disciples would begin to speak with their hands. If the rabbis had certain little strange little courts that they did, guess what? The students would do it. They were a direct imitation of their rabbi. In fact, by how they talked and how they behaved and by how they acted, people could tell whose who was their rabbi because they acted and looked just identical to them. They imitated them down to a T. Do you know that Jesus never studied under a rabbi? Never. He never studied under a rabbi. In fact, when they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? They were basically saying he didn't even finish school. He didn't even get past school. We don't know if he went out at the age of 10 or if he went out at the age of 13 or 14, but we know that no rabbi received him in the schooling process. So here, Jesus is at the River Jordan. He gets water baptized. So we know, we know that he was not super eloquent because he didn't, he didn't impress any of the rabbis. He didn't impress any of the teachers in the school. He's just a plain old ordinary a person who went back to work for Joseph. He, he's, he's a carpenter. Um, and that's why they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Now understand under Miss Hannah, because Jesus followed it, to speak those words, follow me, was a life-changing event. So Jesus had been to the water. He'd been baptized. He's received the presence of the Holy Ghost. He's gone and he spent 40 days with the Father. Listen, you, you put your flesh under for 40 days. Don't let your flesh watch TV for 40 days. Don't let your flesh listen to music for 40 days. Don't let your flesh do anything but study the Word and pray and speak to God for 40 days. Give it very limited to no nourishment for 40 days. Spend the entire time with Jesus, and uh, you think you're coming out of that 40 days the same? No. No. No, you're coming out very differently. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus had three different encounters with Satan, and he whipped him every time with the word. Glory to God. So Jesus now... He is uh, walking. He's, he's totally different. He's at the age of 30. He's at the age where he's allowed to be a rabbi if he was a learned man. But how much you know he's, he's definitely learned. And uh, let's pick up in Matthew chapter 4. He gets word that, uh, that uh, John the Baptist is in prison. And uh, let's pick up in verse 17. He's walking. We'll pick up in verse 17. And he's declaring this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. 
All right. right. So he's got Simon and Peter. What are Simon and Peter doing? They're fishing. They're fishing. They're doing family business. I mean, Simon and Andrew. Sorry. Uh, Simon, Peter. Simon, Peter. And Andrew. What are they? They're fishers. They're fishers. We just heard Peter's big speech. This is the same Peter. Peter's a fisherman. In order for Peter to be a fisherman, what does that mean? It means that, that he yeah, did, he, did he, didn't his, get, he didn't get chosen by a rabbi. He did his 10 years and then went home. He did his 10 years. Maybe he did his 13. Maybe he got to the point where the rabbis could have chosen him. But he, he, he's there fishing. He, he wasn't chosen. And him and his brother, Andrew, are casting their nets into the sea. They're just fishing. And here comes Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. And he says unto them, in verse 19, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but duet opus. That's what I'm going to say. Duet opus. Jesus said, duet opus. When he spoke those words, those are the words that the rabbis spoke in the school. Those were the words that every Jewish child has ever longed to hear. And here comes a Jewish teacher. And he speaks those words, duet opus, which means follow me. It literally means come and reside in my house. Come and live with me. Come and mimic me. He basically said, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, I believe in you. I believe you have what it takes. I've chosen you. You've got the ability. Jesus didn't say, you're inadequate, go home. Jesus said, duet opus, come and follow me. And when Jesus spoke those words to those two fishermen, their life, because here they are, they're thinking, this is my life. I'm a fisherman for the rest of my days. I've missed my opportunity to be a somebody and do a something. And now here comes this unknown teacher, and, he, and I'm out here. I'm not even in the school. Now, here's the deal. Did Simon Peter or Andrew go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you be our rabbi? No. The rabbi came to them. The rabbi came to them. So, so duet opus means, means walk in my footsteps. Means step where I step, do what I do, follow me in every step, in every place I go. You are right there with me. You are learning from me. You are listening to me. You are, you are doing the things I do. You're, you're learning the things that I know. You're becoming like me. It means to walk in the same path, to walk in the same way. Yeah. And that, that's the same thing that we're called to do as disciples. You know, they've got that prayer, the, the footsteps prayer, and, you know, oh, I, you know, Jesus, you know, I'm walking on the beach, but I don't see your footprints, and then you realize, oh, Jesus is carrying me, or Jesus is right with me. You know, there's two sets of, it, it depends on which version of the, the poem you're looking at. One poem says Jesus is carrying me, the other version says he's walking right beside me. No, no, no. Duet opus means Jesus is walking, and you're literally following his footsteps. He's not following yours, you're following his. He's not carrying you, you're literally following his footsteps. Where he goes, 
you go. When he says jump, you say how high. When he says uh, don't go there today, don't go there today. When he says that's your church, you go to that church. When the pastor offends you, Jesus said, I placed you there because you need that pastor and that pastor needs you. When Jesus said, I put you in that job, even when you hate and despise your job, you stay there because Jesus put you there for a purpose. When Jesus said... Listen, when Jesus said, go lay hands on that sick person, you go. Why? Because he's going before you. He gets there before you get there. Simon, Peter, Andrew, the rest of the disciples, their life, they understood Mishana. They understood that when a rabbi said, come and follow me, they understood exactly what they were supposed to do. They were to keep their eyes on their rabbi 24-7. The the show Chosen did a lot of good things for the kingdom of God. But one thing that drove me absolutely crazy about that show is every time Jesus was off doing healings, they're over here in the camp somewhere murmuring and complaining and doing this and doing that. Uh-uh. No. The, my, those disciples were right there. They were being ushers for Jesus. They had they were they were bringing the people up to him. They were they were yeah. listening. Listening intently with every word that Jesus said. They were watching how he laid hands. They were watching him operate by the Spirit. They were on top of him. They were, why do you think Jesus would put them in situations like, y'all go get on the boat, I'm going to go to the mountain. Because the only time they didn't have their eyes on him is when he made them go away. They were on him 24. Four, seven. They lived in his house. Do you understand this? Everybody says, oh, Jesus was poor. No. He said, follow me and come. And he had 12 disciples living in his house with him for three and a half years. They didn't have a small house. It was not a small house. Come what? on. Unless they were stacked in there like cordwood. Right? Now, he would go visit their houses, but they were also at his house. He was not poor. And it, literally... It, it means following your footsteps. It means do the things I do and say the things I say. Oh, my goodness. How can you do that if you don't know who he is? Look at this. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this spoke to Simon, Peter, and Andrew because how did they learn to become fishers? They followed their father and their grandfather and very likely their great-grandfather. They learned how to make nets. They learned how to bend. I guarantee you, from the time they were little bitty, they they may have even been in the papooses type situations where dad's working on the nets or mom's at home mending the nets for them to go out there. Who knows? But they were there. They understood how you become a fisher is you stick with the fisher. They understood we've learned how to fish Now we're going to learn how to attract people for God. This was a language that they understood. Now notice, they don't, let's read just a little bit. Let's just read just a little bit. Verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. That means they threw down everything in their lives that they'd ever known, and they followed him. And going on from thence, he saw uh, other two brethren. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, 
and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. They left everything. So here now, now he's got Simon Peter, he's got Andrew, he's got James, he's got John, he's got four of them, and all four of them are fishers. Now it says that they threw down their nets and followed. Does it say that they debated with Jesus, why me? Does it say Jesus? Does it say that they looked at Jesus and Jesus, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? Jesus, do you not see my learning disability? Jesus, did you not know that I got kicked out of school at 10? I didn't even have the ability to, to study the Talmud. Like, I wasn't even, I didn't even make that cut. Did they say that? Did they point out any of their weaknesses to Jesus the rabbi? No. No. Jesus said, I chose you. And they said, woo! Their life immediately changed. Um, they ran to him. They immediately went to him. They did not, listen, they did not allow Satan to talk them out of what God said Amen. about them. God said, you qualify. God said, you've got the ability. God said, I've made you able. God said, I've equipped you. God said, you can do this. Why? Because he's in you. It's not you doing the work. This is what you have to understand. Now, does that, do you think that James and Peter and John uh, had, and Andrew, do you think they didn't have those thoughts? Of course they had the thoughts. Of course they had the issues. Otherwise, why did Jesus, every time you turn around, Jesus is rebuking them. Oh, Jesus is soft and lovey. Jesus is so sweet. Man, pick up your Gospels. Jesus is rebuking them constantly. And rebuke is not soft and sweet and kind. Rebuke is like, what is wrong with you? Come on, I told you you can do this. Now let's do this. Where is your faith? What is happening to you? Like, this is what rebuke looks like. And every time, what did they do? They picked themselves up and said, Jesus said I could do it, so I guess I can do it. That settles it. Jesus right. said I could, so I guess I can. Every time. Every time. Now, I want you to jump over. Jesus, so they're following Jesus. They're going from synagogue to synagogue. Jump over to chapter 5, verse 1. Or jump down? Or jump down. Okay. Yeah, chapter 5, verse 1. Because now they've been following Jesus from synagogue to synagogue for a, for a short period now. So they've learned some things. And seeing the multitudes, he went up unto a mountain. Well, you've got to go up to... 25 from the prior chapter. Okay. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem, from Judea and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, okay. saying. Okay. So they've been following Jesus from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue. They have learned how Jesus likes the people. He's, they've learned Jesus likes the men with the men, the women with the women, or they've learned Jesus likes them in family groups, whatever. They've learned how Jesus likes the setup. They've learned where Jesus likes to kind of be positioned and how he likes things. And so notice it says, go back to verse 1 for me on the screen. It says, and seeing the multitude, so these people, this massive multitude, 
Because we saw in the prior verse it said great multitude. A multitude is hundreds to thousands. A great multitude is thousands to ten thousands. Thousands to ten thousands. Maybe even more. So there's massive amounts of people. Well, now these people are not all going to fit in the synagogue. So he goes up into a mountain. So Jesus finds an area where the masses can, can probably sit or gather. And, and the, the mountain is going to kind of echo his voice. And notice it says, and when he was set, his disciples came to him. What were the disciples doing? The disciples were busy ushering. The disciples were getting everybody into place. How did they know to do that? Because they had been watching and been training in the church house. And so now they knew, and once they got, once they got everybody set, they turned and they looked at Jesus, and Jesus probably sat down on a rock, or maybe he's been sitting, and maybe now he stood up. And so that it tells them, oh, the service is ready to start. So now they all go up there. Why? To protect him. That's what the usher's job is, to help protect him. And the other thing that they're there for is to pull down the anointing so that he can preach. And for the next three chapters, we hear Jesus' first outside sermon, first recorded outside sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. But we're, talking, we're not talking about Jesus. We're talking about walking on the water. At this point, we know that Simon Peter is learning and he's learning, and he's watching, and he's learning, and he's watching, and he's learning. Simon Peter makes a few mistakes along the way. Remember, he, remember he, he, uh, he got all emotional when Jesus started talking about, you know, he was going to die? And, and, and uh, Simon Peter said, no, you're not going to die. You can't die. Anybody comes to kill you, I'm just going to kill them because you can't die. And remember, Jesus said, uh, get thee behind me, Satan, for you're an offense off to me. How much you know in that moment, Simon Peter had all the opportunity he needed to have an emotional, mental breakdown. Oh, Jesus called me the devil. Oh, this is not okay. Oh, no. What was he doing? He was a student who was learning to learning that mistakes happen. And it's okay that you mess up. Repent. Make the adjustment and move on. Because he did. He moved on. Simon Peter did a great job moving on. Um, what the sermons for today? I want you to go to, we're going to take a little side journey right here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, that's all Simon Peter, and Simon Peter's, you know, in the Bible, and he's special. Ain't nothing special about Simon Peter except for he took the calling seriously. That's the only thing special about Simon Peter. God said, follow me, and Simon Peter said, yes, sir. He said, said, wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you say, I'll say. Whatever you do, I'll do. I'll always be there right right beside you. He answered the call. He answered the call. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's look at verse 27. Verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. (laughs) How much do you know it was foolishness to the Jewish population that the man who never studied under under a rabbi should become the great rabbi? And and that he should 
He should pick his students from among right. fishermen. Yeah, and 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 how foolish is it that the 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 students didn't have to qualify, but the rabbi did the picking? How much you know? It's foolishness. Foolishness. How much you know? It's foolishness that um, not only did Jesus do the picking, but he picked from those that are already set in their life processes. He picked them midstream of their life. And he called to them. What do you think this spoke to the entire Jewish nation? The entire Jewish nation went, if, if that rabbi can pick that fisherman, there's a chance that that rabbi can pick me. Amen. Because remember, to come under a rabbi gave your family status. To come under a rabbi gave your family status. So the fact that that rabbi came to them on the job and said, you know what, come and follow me. Every single Jew that had been rejected by a rabbi from whatever age, every single Jew that had been, ex had been rejected by Mishana now had hope Amen. of coming under a rabbi. They all had hope now. This is part of what drew people was because this teacher, this rabbi, could give them a life that without him they could never have. Never. They could never have status. They could never have means. They would always be stuck at their current level and never go any higher because the rabbis had rejected them. But this rabbi was receiving the very base. How much you know this is foolishness? How much you know this is the foolishness of God? So many people, I have had so many young people, so many older people say, God has a plan for my life, but I just feel so unqualified. I just feel like I can't do And I'm like, that's the very thing that qualifies you. qualifies you. If you think you're downtrodden, if you think you don't measure up, if you think you're not good enough, if you think that you're just the least of, you qualify. How much you know, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, all of them felt like they didn't qualify. But yet, it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to do what? How much do you know the rest of the rabbis were losing their mind? How much do you know the rest of the, because here's the deal. The rest of the rabbis just went, this, this completely undoes our significance in the Jewish culture. They were losing their minds over him. And God hath chosen the what? The Holy chosen God. the weak things. Yes, and the weak things. God has chosen the weak things. Do you see yourself as weak? Do you see yourself? Listen, a lot of people do. I do. I do. I see myself as a weak. I see myself. I boohoo. When I first came across these scriptures, I whined and cried like a little baby bird. This is I qualify. Because there is no doubt about it. I am a foolish and I am a weak. There's another verse that says the least. Oh, Lord, this makes me qualified. The weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. To confound. You've been chosen by God to turn the world upside down. Your weaknesses, 
the things that you think disqualifies me. That learning disability that makes it hard for you to understand what you read qualifies you. That, 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 that man, my memory is rough is the thing that qualifies you. My speech is not good. That's what qualifies you. Because when you stand up in the power of God, not only will you know that you're beyond yourself, but the rest of the people looking at you will know that you're walking on the water. I'm literally, Pastor Mike is literally, Miss Ann back here, those in service, our praise team, they're literally walking on the water because they are beyond their own ability. So in 27 it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. I want you to listen. I'm going to read the next couple. Listen for the, the one that you identify with. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things, or low things, yes. do you consider yourself low of the world? And the things which are despised, do you consider yourself despised? Come on. God has chosen, and yea, the th and things which are not to bring to not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now here's the deal. As she said, Jesus chose these two fishermen and changed their lives. Right. They were just fishermen. You may just be the despised. You may just be the base. You may be the weak. You may be foolish. But when God chooses you, that changes your life. You are no longer the weak. You are no longer the foolish. That's right. You're no, You're longer, no longer the despised. The base. You are the chosen of God. That's right. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. Yep. A chosen generation. He chose you. That's right. That changes your life. Yep. And you should act like it. That's right. That's right. Go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Come on. Teaching you how to walk on the water. The first step to walking on the water is you have to recognize who you are. It's perfectly acceptable to recognize your weaknesses and your disabilities. Because once you recognize it, and then you lean on God to get you past it, you realize that's God, not me. And you realize when you, can, when you can suddenly read and understand and comprehend, you understand that God's done a work in you. You understand when, when you have a stutter and when you get up and you speak by the Spirit, there's no stutter. That's God at work. When, when you are running a ministry or running a business, you don't even have to be in ministry. When God calls you to do a business and you're running a business and you don't have business skills, that's God working in you and through you. That's God doing it through you. So the first step to walking on the water is it's perfectly acceptable to notice your inabilities. Because as you notice your inabilities, you will notice the ability of God through you. What you cannot do and what is not okay is to recognize your disabilities or your inabilities and say, well, therefore, there's no point because I can't. No, 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 you can't do that. What you have to do is that's when you have to push into God and say, God, you called me to do this. This is where I'm weak. Therefore, I need you to fill in the gap. God, you've got to fill in the gap. Every time I stand in this pulpit, God, fill in the gap. Amen. Because I can't preach it. 
There's a lot of ministers out there that can write beautiful sermons. I was looking at, I've been looking at doing an online school thing where you can get your degree in. They say you can get credits if you do sermons regularly and teach regularly. You can get some earned credits. All you need to do is send in your sermon notes. And I said, dear Lord in heaven, I send in my notebook and they're going to go, what is this craziness? Because it's not in an outline format. It's literally today's sermon. Let's, let's see this. Here's my sermon notes. This is it. That's all there is. That's it. That's all there is. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six scriptures. References. That's all there is. I mean, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Why? Because I know my inability. But... I also know God's ability. Yep. And I and, lean on and here's the thing about his God. ability. Here's the thing about God. You know, he knows you've got these weaknesses. And that's okay. Because he chose you and he's going to make you able. He's, from the moment he chooses you, he is molding you and changing you. Yeah, you're going to fall down sometimes. But this is a race we're running. Right, we get this up is a race we we're going. running. And what does God do when you fall down? He leans over and he picks you up and he dusts you off and he says, come on, let's go. We've got to win this race. Right. He's not waiting around. He's not sitting on his laurels going, oh, man, I guess we'll have to wait till Jackie gets up and gets ready and, and, gets and, her and picks herself back up. And... No, he's right there with you. He's, he's picking her up. He's, he's saying, come on, we've got to go. He's not waiting. He's not there. There's no pity party. It's get up and let's go. We've got things to do. Mr. Failed College didn't get a college degree because he couldn't stand up in front of people and give a speech, a pre-written speech. How much you know? Miracle of God. Miracle of God. Miracle of God. Come on. James chapter... What's the wrong notes? James <laughs> chapter 2. James chapter 2. Verse 5. Those notes may be short, but they're important. We're going to fix and talk about love. All right. James 2, 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Listen, what qualifies you? Listen, look at this. He said, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor, the insufficient, the broken, the despised, the weak, the ones with learning disabilities, speech impediments, the ones that are, you know... Do you know most most ministers start off in stark poverty? Do you know that? A lot of people that follow God start off in complete poverty. Did you know that? <clears throat> Not everybody, but of this, uh, he said, you, God has chosen the poor of this world. What? Read it. Rich in, in faith. faith. Why has God chosen me, Pastor Mike, Pastor Robbie? Why did God chose, choose me? Because of what is in your heart. Amen. Because of what is in your heart. Because your heart is full of faith. Because your heart won't quit. That's something I love about Jackie. What, I mean, this girl, bless her sweetheart, if, she, if you could find a sin, she's found it. If you could get up and fall down in the mud 16 times, she's done it 20. But one thing... That I just love about her is 
she's rich in faith in God. She just keeps coming back. She just keeps coming back. She just keeps, even in the thickest of sins, here she is in the church door. Here she is. She'll look you square in the face and say, I'm a sinner, I'm a hot mess, but I love Jesus. And we're like, girl, girl, come on now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's get some sanctification going. Let's get some purification going. Come on. No, she's doing great. We're proud of her. We are proud of her. And she lets us. She she lets us. No, we've been proud of you because there's, like I said, there's just, what is it? She's rich in faith in God. That's another one, rich in faith. Demons. His entire life, consumed with him his entire life, not by his own choice. But yet somehow, on the inside, somehow, church after church after church, how many did you go to? Fourteen different churches before he found one that would help him get free. What was that? Rich in faith. Rich in faith. And how much do you know that Come on. from the moment Jesus chose him it changed his life that's right he and he didn't look back james is another one rich in faith the devil tried hard to take him down but oh somehow because of a praying mama praying family because of the prayers of those that came before him somehow jesus met him in the middle of the night and that faith in his heart that was placed in his heart from, from little baby, maybe while he's still in the womb probably, somehow that faith, that rich faith, bubbled to the surface. Servant of God. His daughter's a servant of God. Come on. Come on. Rich in faith. Why did God? Here's your answer. When the devil says, why God choose you? Because I'm rich in faith. Rich in faith. It blessed my socks off one time. I was talking to brothers. I don't even remember what I was talking to Brother Randy about. But we were, I was just, we were, it was in our very dark years and very dark time and just very, and all of a sudden he looked at me. He said, I've always stood in awe of you. And I thought, well, that's, that's crazy. He said, I've always stood in awe of your faith. He said, you just got a faith that, that, that just others, what is that? Rich in faith. Rich in faith. I stand in awe of his faith. He stands in awe of my faith. Come on. Amen. Come on. That's why God chooses us. So if you're rich in faith, you can walk on the water. What do you mean I can walk on the water if I'm rich in faith? Peter was rich in faith. Peter was very rich in faith. Go, we're right here in James. Look at chapter 1, verse 22. James, remember, James 1, 22. This is Jesus' brother who didn't even believe in him in the beginning. It says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Back up to verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluidity of naughtiness, and receive the meekness, the engraft, with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Number one, lay apart filthiness and a great multitude of naughtiness. Lay aside your sins. 
lay aside your sins. Receive with meekness. Humble yourself and receive the word of God in its entirety. Many people will only receive the parts of the word that they want the blessing, but they don't want to pay the cost. They want the, pe- they want the blessing, but they don't want to be faithful. They want the blessing, but they don't want to tithe. They want the blessing, but they don't want to sow an offering. They want the blessing, but they don't want to get in their prayer closet. They want the blessing, but they don't want to live clean. They want the blessing, but they don't want to restrict what they watch and what they listen to. Come on. No. He said, receive it with meekness. Oh, I want to receive. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But they don't want to receive now the works of the flesh or adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, uncleanness, murderous, witchcraft, drunkenness. Oh, Jesus is okay if we have a little wine. That word drunkenness means any level of intoxication. At what level do you become intoxicated? At what level does it affect you? You know, they come out with the sign. used to say drunk driving, you know, it was against the law. They used to have those signs about drunk driving. Now they've got the ones that say buzzed driving is drunk driving. Buzzed Christianity is drunk Christianity. So it says, it says receive with meekness. What are we receiving? The engrafted word. What is, well, we know what the word is. It's the Bible. What's the engrafted word? Come on. The, the engrafted word is... The word that has become a part of you. Come on. Come on, engrafted. It's bonded to you. It's part of who you are. Miss Kathy can tell you what a gra- skin graft is. You know, it's, they, they actually attach somebody else's skin to your skin to help heal. Or, it, heal or a different portion or, or whatever. Or a different portion or to help heal a scar. Or it becomes a part of you. So this word must become a part of you. Yeah, Tammy just had knowledge. And, that, and, and the only way it's going to do that is if you approach it with humbleness. Because it cannot become a part of you if you go with a haughty spirit and say, no, I'm going to hold on to all my sins. Because yep. it's not going to become a part of you that way. Come on. Come on. You've got to get the, you, the word. You've got the word. You've got to become one with the word. The word has got to become so real to you that it's your lifeblood. The word has to become so real to you. So real to you that it's it's literally what you live and breathe off of is the word. It's it's literally that's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and he is the word. His word is what nourishes us. His word is what gives us life. His word is what puts us over. I put on my shoes this morning and immediately my knee said, I don't think so. Now I had two choices. I could have gone and changed my shoes to ones that my that my knee liked better. Or I could be, or I could live on the word, and I've chose to live on the word. Nobody, I'm in control of you. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus said that His joy is my strength, and His word is my healing. By His stripes I was healed. There, if I was healed, then I am healed. Now, knee, you line up to the healing power of God, and you function like you're supposed to function with no pain. And guess what? I ain't got no pain. Come on, but you've got to live and breathe the word. You've got to live and breathe the word. So we see here in, in 21, it says that we have to lay, lay aside our naughtiness. That's an easy way to say it, our sins. Right. And we have, to, we have to receive the word with meekness Come on. And until it becomes a part of us. And then it says, because this will save your soul. 
Yeah, it's not talking spirit. It's actually talking soul. It's actually talking about your mind, your emotions. If you are mentally or emotionally unstable, you need to get engrafted in the word, and it will stabilize you. It will save your soul. And then you can be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Come on. Deceiving your own selves. Because if you're sitting there and you're just hearing and you're not doing, you're not studying, you're not receiving the word with meekness, and you're not laying aside your sins, you are deceiving yourself, and you are deceived. Yeah, and actually he doesn't say, then be a doer of the word. It says, but be doer of the word. Instead of sinning, instead of being naughty, instead of having these great issues in your life, simply become a doer of the word. Being a doer of the word is how you get engrafted. Listen, we can take a cutting from one tree and a cutting from another tree, and we can engraft them together. But if that tree doesn't go to work to receive that cutting, guess what's going to happen? The cutting is going to die, and the tree is going to get diseased, and the tree, or at least that branch, is going to die. You have to do the work. Be a doer of the word. The word is not just going to automatically, you know, you can't, I used to say this to the kids. You can't take this and use this as your pillow and receive the word through osmosis. No, you actually have to do it. You have to pursue it. And here's the other complaint. Well, I start off and I do good for a few hours or a few days. I might even make it a week if it's a really kind of not hard week. But, Pastor, then I lose it. Therefore, I just can't do it. That's the lie of the devil. And that's, that's, right, and that's when Jesus is right there with you to pick you up and dust you off and say, let's get back at it. As soon as you figure out, you missed it. As soon as you figure out, man, it's been three days and I have been doing it all wrong. Don't focus on the three days of doing it wrong. Repent, get back up, dust yourself off, forgive yourself, tell Satan to shut up and get away and start doing it again. Yep. And doing it again. And doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again. And eventually, if you get up enough times, eventually your body will go, she's just going to keep making me do it. I might as well get in line. Amen. How did you get to the pulpit? I got up. I did. was a doer of the word. I fell. I repented. I picked myself up. I started again. I'd fall. I'd pick myself up. I'd repent. I'd do it again. I'd fall, I'd pick myself up, I'd do it again, over and over and over and over. Here's the one thing you need to understand. Some things will get worse before it gets better. Yeah. I was licking these things. I was cutting things out, fixing this, fixing that, doing great. I had profanity almost completely licked. I thought, man, this is good stuff right here. Thank God my pastor knew what to preach in season. Because all of the sudden... One day, I don't know what happened to me, but something grabbed a hold. Wasn't something grabbed a hold of me? My flesh was having an absolute. The devil wasn't even involved. It was all flesh, and every time I opened my mouth, the profanity popped out. What did I do? I repented immediately. I repented to God. I repented to the person. I forgave myself. I'd say a sentence and there came another word and I'd have to do it all over again. It got so bad that day that there was a sentence that had three or four cuss words in it. I was shaking my head going, what is wrong with me? But thank God my pastor had preached in good season. And then my spirit, my spirit reminded me, 
I heard my pastor's voice. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And when that happens, don't quit. Just keep repenting. If you have to repent 60 times that day, I probably repented 70 times that day. If you have to repent 60 times in a day, you repent 60 times in a day, but you just keep going. Mom was with me in the car one time, and I went, beep, 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 and I went, oh. I said, Mom, I'm so sorry. And she's like, what is wrong with your mouth? I said, I don't. I said, I don't bleep, bleep, no. <laughs> what do you do? You get up, you repent, you do it again. The next day after that, man, it was clear sailing. As long as I'm very careful about what I listen to. I ain't going to lie. Something, something will pop up with a profanity. I'm like, turn it off. Get off. How much do you know? If you have a problem with alcohol, you don't go to the bar. You have a problem with homosexuality, you don't go around the homosexuals. You have a problem with drugs, you don't go to the drugs. Don't, don't you go to that dispenser down there. Don't you do it. You know, whatever. What, yeah, yeah. We walk in love. We walk in love. You know, if you have a problem with pornography, man, put all those locks on your computer. Act like you're a two-year-old. Lock that thing down. Come on. <laughs> Come on, don't get around it. Be a doer of the word. In fact, you might want to just fast that computer for a few months but as yeah. it is. Yeah. Have somebody wipe your computer history, wipe everything. Yeah, come on. 22. All right, 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Listen, if you're not a doer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. If you think you can walk with God and live clean and you'll be all right, you're deceiving yourself. If you think, well, I can just live clean and the devil will leave me alone, you are deceiving yourself. I tried it. It doesn't work. If you think you can just come to church and hear the word and then go live however you want, yeah. you're deceiving yourself. Yeah, if you think you can live on one or two meal, spiritual meals a week, you are deceiving yourself. Come on. Come on. No, be a doer of the word. That's how, how did Peter walk on the water? Peter was a doer of everything that Christ did. Everything that Christ did, Peter did it. I want you to go to Mark chapter 6. In fact, this is why Jesus called him the rock. Yeah. Because, because Peter had that faith. Yeah. That nothing, he, he was, he was, it wasn't like, it's not like the rock today where he was some muscle-bound guy. No. No. He, he had the, he had the kind of faith that could not be moved. Once he made up his mind about something, he was not going to change it no matter what you said to him. Yeah. He was determined that Jesus was who he said he was and that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do and that nothing was going to change that. Yeah. And that's why he was called the rock. That's right. Because he understood. So Matthew chapter, or Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6. We're going to pick up right here in... Mark? 46. Mark 6, 46. Okay. Mark 6, 46. I was still thinking they, about Jesus rocks. had just fed the multitudes. They had picked up the baskets of bread. Uh, this is kind of just right here at the tail end of that. We're going to look at both accounts of walking on the water very quickly. Because there's something I want to show you here. So Mark 6, 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed unto a mountain to pray. 
And when there, when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, meaning the wind was blowing against them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now, I want you to notice what it says. It says that Jesus saw them toiling and rowing. Jesus saw the disciples struggling. He saw it. He saw them. And what's it say? He said, he saw them toiling and rowing, and this is why they were toiling and rowing, uh, because the wind was against them, semicolon, or colon, which says, this is what you need to know. It was about the uh, fourth watch of the night, the so early, early in the, the morning. Night, for any of you that, that haven't been in the, in the military, the fourth watch is the last watch. Yeah, three, that's to, when, three to six. That's when the sun's fixing to come up, and, and it's the you're last. Tired. You're tired. You've been going at it all night long. And here Jesus is. So the wind's blowing, which means the waves are crashing, and it's kind of a just a big storm. And, and you know, and so water, when it's calm and still, is not great to walk on. Uh, but so here it's wind, and the waves are crashing and all of this. And Jesus says is that Jesus was walking upon the sea and would have passed them by. Jesus was willing to allow his disciples to toil. And to row, to fight and struggle as long as they wanted to. They had just seen the miracle of the bread. They heard him at the Sermon on the Mount. They heard him talk about, uh, you know, ask anything that you want and the Father will do it. They were working in their own might and power instead of relying on the Father God. And so Jesus said, well, look at that. The boys are working hard. They're doing it in their own might and power. I'm just going to walk to the other side and have a good time. Jesus will allow you to toil in the storms of your life as long as you wish to toil. He will not force you to come out. And at the same it's time, up to you. At the same time, as he's walking by them, he's setting an example. You right. don't have to be toiling this hard. That's right. You could do just like me and walk right on by. When a storm of life hits, when your emotions get uncontrolled, when a problem comes, you can get into stress, worry, and fear, just like the disciples, or you can choose to look to the Father and then walk on the water. Yep. What did my, Jesus do? Get in do? my footsteps and follow me. He looked to Dad, and he was walking. They were toiling. He says, and would have passed them by. He was going to go right on by them. But why did he not? Look at verse 49. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He didn't even offer to get them out of their mess. He just said, Hey, be of good up. cheer. It's be okay. I'm here. That's all he said. Don't be afraid. No reason to be afraid. How much you know? Jesus is standing on your sidelines, on the sidelines of your life, going, I'm here. Hey, be joyful. I'm here. How much you know? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and trials. Amen. Why? Because Jesus is on the sideline. I'm here. Don't be troubled. Don't be in fear. Come on, get happy. And he went up unto, the, unto them, un, into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered he said he, they, they were like wait 
Jesus got in the boat and the weather calmed down. What they were amazed. They were shocked. And it says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, uh, for their heart was hardened. Their heart was, even though these were the disciples, and they were living with Jesus, and they were, remember, they're supposed to follow and do everything that he does. When they saw him walking on the water, they should have all gotten out of the boat, and they should have walked on the water. Why? Because they were supposed to follow his footsteps. That is what duet opus means. Follow my footsteps. Instead, they were crying, oh, Jesus, oh, we're so fearful. And Jesus is like, really? Let's go look at this in Matthew's account, Matthew 14. On pages turn. Matthew 14, picking up in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he went, sent the multitudes away. Why did he have to constrain them? Because when they got into the boat, they had the mindset, we're supposed to walk where Jesus walks. We're supposed to go where Jesus goes. We're supposed to do what Jesus says. And Jesus actually had to say, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. So they had it on their mind when they were getting in the boat that they're supposed to do everything that Jesus does. Keep going. And when he had sent the multitudes away he went up onto a mountain apart to pray and when the evening was come he was there alone but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves for the wind was contrary and in the fourth watch of the night jesus went unto them walking on the sea now this says that jesus went to them really jesus was walking well now we know jesus walked where the boat was but he was just going to walk on by them he didn't have any intention of stopping and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it was a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. When fear attacks, what's the first thing you need to do? Be of good Be cheer. Be of good cheer. When, the fir when fear attacks, put a smile on your face and get happy. Why? Because you have an opportunity to walk in faith. Not only that, when you get, when the devil starts to talk in, like you can be fine, like everything's good, I'm good, I'm happy. It's a chill day, like it's a good day. And then the devil starts talking and all of a sudden your shoulders droop, your, your, your semi-smile goes to a frown, your eyes begin to like, Ooh, and, and you're, now you're, now you're, and you can see it all over your face. Jesus said, uh-uh, when fear strikes, get happy. When fear strikes, Roll back those shoulders, pick up your head, put on your smile, walk tall, get happy, get a, get a little giggle in your, th in, your, in your voice. Why? Because that tells the devil, uh-uh, devil, I ain't afraid of you. Uh-uh, I ain't afraid of you. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. How much you know Jesus is with you 24-7? Well, I just, I don't know if Jesus is on my side. No, uh-uh. <laughs> devil say, you not know your problem? Don't you know that this is, this is fixing to fail? Yeah, why are you smiling? Because Jesus is on my side. Come on, you can't answer him any other way. Jesus is on my side. Be not afraid. Come on. When fear strikes, come on. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, 
Come. Peter didn't really give Jesus an opportunity, a chance. He said, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to come and I'm coming. Why? Because Peter knew uh, duet opus, follow. He knew Jesus walking on the water. I'm supposed to walk where Jesus walks. Jesus, if that's really you, I'm a coming. And Jesus said, come on. And when he Peter, said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Look now, most people go on to the next verse and go, oh, he started to sink. But he actually got out of the ship, walked on the water, and was walking to Jesus. Yes. Remember, Jesus was over there going to walk him by. He got out of the boat and he went, hey, Jesus, what's happening? He got halfway to Jesus and what did he do? He started to look at his circumstances. And when he started to look at his circumstances, what did he begin to do? He began to become afraid. Began afraid. Keep reading. And, okay, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. What did he do? He got to looking at the circumstance instead of looking at the king. And he didn't just completely sink. He only began to sink. The devil always wants you to look at the circumstance. God always wants you to look to him. You look to him. You look to him. Don't put your eyes, you're dealing with sickness and pain in your body, don't look to the pain. Look to the healer. When you got financial troubles, don't look at the bank accounts. Look to the provider. You got mental and emotional upheavals, look to the one that's stable. Come on. Look to the good shepherd. How much you know a good shepherd will not let a wolf take you down? He's got you in the palm of his hand. Now, I want you to think about Peter. I want you to look at one more, one more verse. I want you to look at one more verse. Which one? Uh, did I not write it down? I did Apparently not write not. it down. Hold on. I'll find it. Give me just a second. me just a second because you really need to see this I think it was in John oh come on Holy Spirit, bring all things to your remembrance. In Jesus' name. It is John. John 13. Yep. I was in one chapter off. That was good. John 13. This is where John's talking. This is where Jesus is talking about. Um, in verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give unto thee, that you love thy neighbors, you love thyself, one another. And, uh, but I want you to look at verse 35. We'll pick up right here in verse 35. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. Keep going. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither, go, whither thou goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, 
but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Most people, we, we concentrate on this verse right here, that, that uh, Peter would deny him thrice. But I want you to look at verse 36. Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where thou goest, and this was Jesus' answer. He said, where thou, uh, uh, whether I go, thou cannot follow me now. Notice Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. But thou shalt follow me afterwards. Now, we always think of that as being with heaven. Jesus in heaven, Peter's in heaven. When Jesus spoke duet opus, he said, follow me. The Jews, including Peter, took this to the extreme, to the point that they mimicked everything that their rabbis did. They essentially became just like their rabbi. Jesus preached under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Peter preached under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Jesus healed the sick, set the captive free, released people from bondage of devils and demons. Peter did the same. Peter, Jesus miraculously healed people. So did Peter. Jesus died on the cross, and so did Peter. Peter was crucified. Peter imitated his rabbi even in death. But here was something just outstanding about Peter. Despite the fact that he died a horrific death as a cross, that had to be one of Peter's greatest moments because he followed his Messiah to the, I mean, perfect, footstep for footstep, right even to the cross. But when Peter got to the cross, he said to Nero, to Nero he said, I do not qualify. He, in that moment, he looked at his insufficiency. And he said, I, because of my insufficiency, I do not deserve to be crucified in the same manner as my king. Please crucify me upside down, which was actually a harder crucifixion. A harder crucifixion. We are to follow in Jesus' footsteps in every area of our life. Because I'm going to let you know right now, though Peter died a horrific death, he don't remember it. Jesus supernaturally saved him. He just, that was, it's in, and I'm not telling you to die for Jesus, but how much you know Jesus said, you're going to have to lose your life how much you know at 14 years old when they when the 13 and 14 years old when these Jewish boys followed their rabbis when they when they got chosen by a rabbi they lost their life everything they knew about life instantly changed in a moment when you come to meet Jesus face to face everything about your life should change what entertains you? We were sitting at Thanksgiving dinner yesterday with Michael's family, and, and Robert was like, so what do you all do? We're like, church, church, God, church, work, church, that's our life. And he said, so you all don't do, like, 
any, what, what, what do y'all do for entertainment? You know, books, movies, you know, anything. And we said, church, church. Oh, we do go to the gym, getting fit for Jesus. Everything about our life revolves around him. Why? Because we, because Jesus said, duet opus to us, and we said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he said the same thing to you. The question is, is what's your answer? What's your reply? What's your answer? Glory to God. But I'm telling you what, if you'll answer yes, sir, you will get to walk on the water. We walk on the water every day of our lives because we are so far beyond ourselves. We're beyond our ability. We're beyond our gifts and our talents. We're beyond. Every, the life that we live is Christ. That's our prayer. Father, more of you, less of us. And God is so good and so faithful to give that to us. Glory to God. Glory to God. So you can walk on the water just like Peter. Well, that's not technically walking on water. Oh, no, it is. <laughs> Get out here on this boat and, and uh, join us, and you'll find out real quick. You're, you are walking on water. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you want to bless the tithes and the offerings? Sure. Glory, glory, glory. All right. Thank you, Father. Well, I'm sure that uh, Zach's going to come and yep. both receive our ushers the will offering come. for us. Come on, ushers, both of you. All right. Come on. <clears throat> well, Lord, thank you, we Father. just thank you for this word that we've received. We thank you that you uh, that you valued us and that you chose us and that you you make us well able to do the things you have called us to do. That you have used us to confound the wise and that you have changed our lives from the moment that we met you. That you that that because of you we can walk away from the, those foolish things. We can walk away from from the downtrodden things. We can walk away and we can follow you and keep our eyes on you. That we can that we can do all things through you, including walking on water. Because you make us well able to do everything, Lord. And we just thank you for that. You're an amazing God. And you are the most high. You're the name above all names. And you can do all things. And through you, we can do all things. Lord, we just love you. And we thank you. And we, we just we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom. We give with a grateful heart and a joyous heart and a generous heart. Lord, we just love you and we want to see your work done. And we ask that you, you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. And that you bless us in return, not because we want, we're greedy or anything, but because we want to be, be a, a bigger return. Blessing. We want Thank to be you. a bigger blessing. We want to be able to give more. We want to be able to see your work done even more. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we follow you all the days of our lives. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take our health. You will not take our things. You will not cause our things to wear out. You will not take this word from us because we are forearmed and forewarned, and we will and stand we against you. We do stand against you, yes. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Angels, go. Cause prosperity to come in every area of life. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. Father, we thank you for the blessings of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.